What's up, y'all? This is a great day. I'm hanging out with Andrew Sinewick in a beautiful studio. It's 95 degrees outside, but not in here. LA is suffering, but we've got air conditioning in here, and not just that, we've got silent air conditioning. You got it going on. Andrew, you have silent air conditioning, beautiful yeah. home studio, floating floors and everything, and you have a wonderful dog who barks a couple times and then no way. just silent, right? No barking. No barking? Not even that, Not even a big intruder like me came through? He knew you were good. Oh, I just, I imagine that. Yeah, so you got the silent AC, the silent Husky. Is that a Husky? Husky. Beautiful. Mix. And um, today, thanks to Guitar Player Magazine and GuitarPlayer.com, we get to do this great hang with a truly great guitar player. You have a new album out. I think it's called Fun. It is. And it's actually out September 8th, but we're going to preview it right here. You're going to hear some juicy tracks. Just the tones on there and the mixes and everything and the playing is so tasty and spacious and three-dimensional. I'm really impressed by that record. And um, last but not least, what was I going to say? Oh, another thing about my new friend Andrew here is you're kind of a hero to me because you're actually a bona fide studio ace, badass, constantly doing sessions in 2023. There's this legend or this myth that the studio scene is not as happening anymore, but if you uh, look at what you're doing, no one would ever think that. From, uh, gosh, you gotta at least name drop some of the people that you played with. I, you know, I can't uh, <laughs> talk and play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got you. I've, man, I've been putting you to work today. But you've recorded with The Who and Barbara Streisand, Megan Trainer, Seal, Josh Groban, I Elton John, I think these are all session stuff. I know you played with Elton a lot of, was live. Elton was live. You performed live with Alanis Morissette. I know you might have recorded with Donna Summer, Nick yeah. Jonas, Ariana Grande. It just goes on and on. You played on the title track to the, or the big hit song from the first Frozen movie, Let It Go. Oh, there it is. Sorry. Do it. <laughs> I interrupted our thing. Yeah. So, uh,. <laughs> I just had to give a proper introduction because you've done such an insane amount of stuff and you're just getting started in this town, it seems like to me, even though I know you've been here like 20 years or something. but Almost, yeah, almost exactly 20 years. And this room is just beautiful. I'm looking at all kinds of uh, guitars. Tell me about some of these other guitars you use regularly from the electrics all the way through to these acoustics. Sure. Um, well, we'll start with the one I'm currently playing that I was trying to give you a nice little intro <laughs> there, and then I just kind of <laughs> kind of fell away. But um, there you go. Uh, this is made by B.A. Ferguson Guitars, and it's pretty much a one-man shop. I was uh, 
looking for a light guitar. My buddy was actually at the NAMM show. And he goes, man, you should check out this, you know, company. And he got me a little flyer, and I looked him up. And it was maybe the only time I've just ordered a guitar sight unseen. I called him, and I said, hey, can you pick out the lightest body and the lightest neck and put them together, and let's see what happens. And, man, it came right out of the box, played awesome, sounded great. Rat. And it weighs nothing, and it's a little smaller, which is cool. Yeah, I see you it's playing that traveling. a lot, and it's got those kind of gold foil pickups, it, but they're half so the, and half. they're actually just humbuckers. It has two humbucking pickups, um, but they look like gold foils, yeah, so I mean, it's hipster approved. Yeah. And then I, I, I put in a, um, what do you call it, a phase switch? Oh, yeah, cool. So, like, if you have more gain. <laughs> Kind of like oh, that's weird funky. nasally. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's a nasty little tone. I love it. But then on the neck pickup, it gets pretty dark. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah. Almost has like a little fuzzy sound. Yeah, a little bit, a little yeah. octave thing or something. Like, oh. Yeah. So it's fun. I use that one a lot live. Yeah. And I mean, then, um, I mean, I don't know that we'll go. The, the other one that I play a lot, which is right here, is um, my buddy, who is a great luthier here in town and very busy. I, I think he wishes I would stop recommending him, but his name is Friend Askin, and he built this guitar almost looks like maybe like a les paul and a strat had a baby it's yep. got a bolt-on neck the scale length is 25 and a half yep. but then the body is just one cut away yep. and uh, maple top flame yeah maple. flame maple top it's like the most gorgeous guitar i've ever seen yeah, it's like it also is very lightweight and i'm using um the fishman fluence pickups yeah which are cool there's like 97 different combinations, I think, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's, that's Also kind of, that's the neck pickup. And then it can do like single coil. I won't go through everything. But, you know, Sounds great. you get a lot of different sounds out of it. It's got the Vega trim, which is a really cool tremolo kind of, you can kind of do almost floyd like stuff but it um it feels really good it almost feels and sounds like a bigsby for doing that kind of stuff like this kind of like that's rad does that kind of really well so i use this a lot if i'm like there's one composer i work for who has like four tv shows so it's just so much stuff to fly through and i'll use this and a lot of the stuff has like a lot of guitar parts so i'll just rather than like hold on let me switch guitars oh shoot it's a little out of tune i just pretty much stay on this guitar and um go through different pickup and amp combinations is there an example of that on the new record that's guitar i mean there's so many tasty Uh, solos well in a way that's so the record that we can talk about that's kind of like my, you know, air quotes artist thing. Yeah. And I sort of almost keep that world a little bit separate from 
like yeah. this world, which is like the nuts and bolts day to day thing. Yeah. Um, so actually, for that record, I used um, one one more guitar. We can talk about. Cool. If I can get over there. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> so I used that first guitar, the B. A. Ferguson guitar. I used that quite a bit, and then I also used uh, this Les Paul, which is totally hollow. Oh, really? It's all chambered out. Yeah, and so it's also pretty lightweight and. It's killer. It really sounds awesome. Like, kind of for anything. It's a little out of tune, but... Oh, and then one thing I did on this. Those Reverend guitars have that really cool... Um, wow, we are getting super geeky right off the bat. <laughs> I guess it's yeah. only guitar players that listen, though, right? Yep. I mean, could be. Um... The Reverend guitars, I played one of those one time, and it had like a traditional tone control where the tone, you know, you roll the knob down and it gets darker. But they also have this bass cut thing. And I thought that was so cool that actually my buddy friend, um, who I was just playing his guitar, I had him put in one of those circuits on this Les Paul. So it's like volume, volume, you know, it has the traditional four knob setup, but it's like volume, volume, and then the tone that you would think would go with the neck pickup it is just a traditional tone but it's for both pickups a master tone and then the um the tone that you would think goes with the bridge pickup is a bass cut actually so like here's all the way up and then if you roll it down well it's, it's not that drastic here but but like yeah. for playing live it's pr you notice it like yeah. I, i'll actually um like if I'm playing high on the guitar, I will um, I'll have it all the way up so like maximum bass response, you know. But as it gets as you play lower and it might get muddy. Yeah, it just seems like I kind of roll it off. It's so important to be able to take away some of the girth sometimes of yeah. a guitar tone. Other like you can have all that bottom end, but then with the ensemble or something, sometimes it just right. So, to the noise. and I try and do as much of that stuff, like, with my hands and with the guitar, I guess, as I can. I mean, it's almost cliche to be like, you know, the older I get, the less stuff I'm using. Yeah. But I have found that to maybe be the case. Oh, yeah, it is all in the hands. Uh, yeah, I mean, so much of it, as I like to say, you know, 95% of it is, is in your hands. The other half is yeah. your gear. That sounds like a Yogi Berra <laughs> <Exactly>. quote. <laughs> Stolen. Uh, you know, as like Alan Hines was on the last episode, yeah. and, and I just realized like how softly he plays, like, even when he has a lot of distortion. Mm. I don't really play that way, so I've been, I've just been. Every time I do one of these, I always walk away with at least something. Right. Like you know, like he might have a lot of gain, but. I mean, I'm not right. trying to be Alan Hines here, but like it's like I'm, I'm in a band where we play a lot more like wide open all the time. Yeah. Hit the strings hard, you know. Yeah. It's like wow. So you're right. Yeah, so much in there. So, so yeah, getting so for that for the record you asked me about, this is the main guitar, the Les Paul. So pretty much this, the BA Ferguson, and I used a sitar guitar on one. I sort of did like the Pat Metheny thing, where like, oh, that's. I mean, it was it's a studio recording kind of, but we really did everything live. So I started it on the sitar, and then during the, um, the organ player solos first so then during his solo I just literally put it down and picked up the electric guitar like in real time 
Yeah, I mean, every the whole record is live, and then you know, like, I came back here and listened to everything, and we we did almost all of it was no click anywhere on the record. But like Gary Novak is the drummer. His time is so ridiculous. I was able to kind of go, you know, I like this whole take, except I like the organ solo better from that take. And I could just drop it in and you can't tell. I mean, it's crazy. That is so cool. And that's an interesting song. I mean, I love this sitar sound. I mean, is it that choral thing that I'm looking at? Yeah, it's uh, Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones, electric guitar sitar thing. And then they, when the rock guitar solo comes in, it sounds like you have a, a really loose tension string on there. Like... Yeah, I've been getting into this thing of just like, like that song is in the key of C, so I'd be playing down low on the guitar maybe. And I meant, you know, I'm kind of like, man, I wish I had more. And one night I just did this on a gig, like. So I'm just tuning literally down to the note. I mean, as long as yeah. you don't have a tremolo on your guitar, you can kind of get away with it. Yeah. Like the rest of the guitar. Yeah. I mean, it's not perfect, but if you're playing single oh, yeah. lines, I'm always kind of bending anyway. So. That's kind of what's cool about it. It kind of like sounded like Jack White, but with a little more harmonic vocabulary. Thanks. Not, no offense to Jack, but like, it was like... Totally, yeah. I mean, in a way, that's kind of yeah. what I'm trying to do is like bring in all these worlds that might be polarizing and yeah. showing how like no it's all connected and then um, that sitar electric sitar did i always wondered what Matheny did like i know what song you're talking about yeah but is i just didn't know if that was a synclavier or something or that was no actually, i'm pretty sure it's it's one of it's those just one of those of things, and oh uh, yeah and, yeah well i love your new i'm not saying it's the same thing but it's like a really modern sounding version of that and thanks yeah i saw him play once and they did it actually wasn't the sitar, but it was something similar where like the first half of the song was on one guitar and then there yeah. was some kind of interlude and he just went over and picked up a second guitar and started, yeah. you know, and finished it on that. That's cool. And then the end of that song, I don't know if there's another, a third, like some more bluesy kind of solo or something. It might be still the same yeah. one with it. That's, pr- that's the longest song on the record. That, that yeah. song is called Everything Is and it's definitely, it's like one chord. It's like super... Yeah. Kind of spacey, slightly Almond Brothers. You kind of end up with almost like a slapback room sound on that. So yeah. Really yeah. juicy sound. Thanks.
you know, that a lot of the delay stuff, well, all of it really, is the Strymon Volante pedal. Um, and it just, it's one of those things, like, it doesn't have, I think it has tap tempo, but it's not, it doesn't have a digital readout. Like, you would never want to use it on, like, a gig where you had to have a bunch of preset delay times or anything like that. But the thing it does have is it just, it's got that thing where, like, you turn it on and your tone is, like, instantly just a little bit better. It's got that, like, pixie dust thing. Nice. Um, and so I tried this thing where I mic'd the amp like you traditionally would in a studio. We used three mics and got a blend um, at the console that we liked. And then I had them send me that blend uh, out with one XLR cable into this John, I think I have it over there. No, I don't. The John Cudaberti reamp box. And it just bumps the level down to like guitar level signal. And then I put that, this is so geeky. Sorry, I'm just like <laughs> no, rambling about. That's great. I, uh, I ran that through um, the Volante, it's set to 100% wet. Um, and then that comes back left and right onto two more channels. And so you could say like, well, why did you, why bother doing that? Like just let them do it there. But this way I was able, like I had the pedal right next to me. So I'm like, I want to slap back for this part or I want to, like there's a lot of stuff where I'm actually, you know, kind of manipulating it and like yeah. making crazy runaway feedback sounds. But um, it's not going into the front of the amp. So I can kind of adjust yeah. the level later, you know, cause it is a studio recording, even though we're doing it all live, you want it to sound nice and presented the way that you conceptualized. Like it's one thing on, a lot of times I'll do that on a gig and I'm like, ah oh, man, I can't, I want more chaos. I need this, the mix to be louder and it's not really, so like yeah. that's the kind of thing where like, actually I think in that tune there, there were times where I had the uh, mixing engineer like, no man, like it needs, you need more of that runaway crazy delay feedback psychedelic stuff. It just needs to like yeah. kind of sound like chaos here. And then other parts where it's like, okay, let that just simmer in the background. So it's just kind of the best of both worlds type of thing. Yeah, the tones are really, really clear on there. Like, I mean, maybe late to the party. Like it's somewhat more of a clean tone, but it's like, yeah, it really sounds like I was you're in the room with us. Thanks, yeah. Oh, actually that is um, that McGuire Guitars Strat. So three guitars and, and the sitar. That's what I used oh, on the record. Yeah. Yeah, definitely going for more of like an Eric Johnson-y kind of thing on that. Um, you know, he, he was a, I love his playing and definitely trying to make this record a little bit of like a nod to like the guitar heroes that I grew up on without making it super like shreddy, like only musicians can listen to it. You know, so try to keep it real musical. And uh, yeah, I mean, I almost heard a nod to Steve Morse maybe on the Leadfoot. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Bop, 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 bop. Yeah.
Yeah, and that solo there, that sounds more like humbuckers or something. That's the Les Paul, yeah. And, but again, it's like just the right amount of distortion or overdrive. It sounds really organic. What is the signal path there? Is that, what amp is that? So that's this um, Soldano. It's the Hot Rod 50 Plus. It's their quote-unquote cheap model. Um, it's not the crazy expensive one, um, but I, it was the first real piece of gear I ever got. I've had it, geez, like probably 30 years at this point. And man, like it just still sounds awesome. It records incredibly well. Um, what were you running it through? Like they had, so I did the whole thing at Jim Scott. Uh, he's an incredible engineer and producer. He's, he was with uh, Rick Rubin for like for many, many years. And then he opened up his own place called Pliers Studio. And um, they had, I mean, you walk in there and it's like, oh, I didn't need to bring anything because they have one of everything, like drum sets, organs, guitar amps, cabinets. So he had an old uh, Marshall 412. And I mean, we, we were kind of like, I went there to check it out and he's like, he's very nonchalant, you know. I was like, well, what should I bring? Should I bring this? Should I bring that? And he's like, well, we got that old red Marshall. Derek played through that, meaning Derek Trucks. Derek trucks. And I was like, Cool, I think I'll use that. It's you got know, some vibe in it already. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that head into that uh, cabinet. Once in a while, I used like a boost pedal or uh, an Octavia fuzz pedal, and that's it. And then the Volante thing. Mike's or. Yeah, he had. Um, he has a thing he likes to do with a FET forty-seven and uh, an SM fifty-seven, where he just puts some. He kind of does almost like fifty-fifty down to one channel, and. So my previous record, I did in six hours. <laughs> this one, I tried to really spoil myself, and we did it in two days. Oh, man. Like, that's a lot of time. It takes me six weeks to just yeah. do one song. If I mean, you have to, you know, like anymore. You just have to be quick with things. But so one more thing I did is I went in a day early to get guitar sounds. Oh, um, that's kind of... Just to make sure that all that stuff was worked out, and I didn't have, you know, and especially, again, with that delay trick, that can be confusing sometimes because it's a little outside of the box. Yeah, that's um, that's a nice thing to do, huh? Because yeah. it's kind of a lot of pressure to roll in and just like get everything exactly. set up. Exactly. Yeah. You got to go, go, go. Okay. And that's kind of something then... I learned the hard way the last time around that I was trying to you know get get right this time. Um, and I feel like I did. But th so when we got those guitar sounds dialed in, he's like, "Yeah, this is what I always do," and I liked it. I thought it sounded good, but it, for me, it was a little bit ice picky. And it's just kind of my thing. Like I, I tend to hear stuff bright as it is. So I think I'm like a little bit like almost sensitive to like, oh, I don't want it to be too bright. You know what I'm gonna say. I think you have your hearing <laughs> That's funny. in a world where many people are I'm trying to keep it that way. A little bit of level different levels of degradation happening. Yeah, I'm trying to keep it that <laughs> way. So um so I actually I was like, man, so you know what, can I bring do you mind if I bring my Royer tomorrow? And he's like, Yeah, sure. So the next day I brought uh, a Royer one twenty one. Which those things are just really fat sounding, you know, really so real sounding. That's what I was picturing when I was hearing the yeah. sound. But I mean, I, that doesn't mean I know what I'm talking no, about. No, I mean, that's kind of like the Royer with to, the 57. Yeah, you tend to think of that as being like just a real, like yeah. realistic capture of like what the amp sounds like if you're standing in front of it. Yeah. So 
so yeah i brought that and he just put that on a second channel and i left the rest kind of up to the mixing engineer but yeah. probably 50 50 is what i was when i was kind of when i took everything back here to just go okay what did we get that's kind of what i had is like maybe a little bit more of the royer but about 50 50. Yeah. so what amp are you plugging into right now here so so i'm using this really cool amp switcher that bruce Agnator made and what it does is it allows you to run four heads they're all on at the same time and you can just real quick go boom 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 like one one to the next so you get a sound on one you can compare it to a sound on the next and um it's only one amp at a time but uh it allows you to really quickly select the tone that you're looking for and they all go into the same speaker cabinet and then i have that wired up to this nifty little device here called the it's ancient they don't make them anymore and they break so you have to find them it's uh, like a control surface yeah it's um it's this actually made by pv it's called the pc 1600 and I have about five broken ones in my garage, and I have with this one working one here. And you have uh, everything memorized how you like. You yeah, I mean, I'm kind of a nerd that way, so it's midied up. So I'll show you. He's plugging in, plugging so, in the Les Paul, the chambered Les Paul. So that's the Rivera. I use that mostly for clean stuff. And then right now, the second amp is this Aiken. That's kind of like a Marshall-y type of thing. Um, the third amp is, unfortunately, they don't make them anymore. It's by this company called Texotica, and it's sort of like an old deluxe, I guess you would say. And they also built me this crazy spring reverb unit, which I tend to leave on all the time. It's almost like a caricature of like yeah. what you think spring reverb that, sounds like. That's not not the white head, but it's that small amp, right? Yeah, the, the brown face thing. Yeah. So. I mean, that's like way too much, but you can oh, hear like amazing. for recording, yeah. it really sounds cool. I'm trying to stay on the mic and. <laughs> yeah, I know. Overdriven, but the reverb is so clean. Yeah. And then, and then I have that Soldano on the fourth amp, which sounds like this. And then one more super geeky thing. By the way, I stole all of this from Jerry McPherson, a uh, great Nashville guitarist. I saw him talking about this. I was like, man, I want to do that too. So, um, so those amps go into this speaker cabinet in the garage that has two mics on it. At the Rivera? Uh, yeah, this, it's a silence. Rivera Silent Sister cabinet. Ah, so there's yeah. no room sound. It's just a... Right. So it, where you're standing yeah. actually, oh yeah, I like can, you can yeah. kind of probably feel it more than yeah, anything. It's down there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then after the mic preamp, it goes, like you would do in a recording studio, it goes to some outboard gear. And the outboard gear is actually also midied up to that same controller. So like, and I have presets too. So like, this is just dry, <laughs> right? But if I want to add, well, pretty much dry. If I want to add delay, it's just on this first slider. Oh, that sounds great. Is that and then 
Is that a plug-in or something? No, no, no. It's all it's uh, hardware. It's a TC Electronics. Oh. oh. And it's tempo mapped, which is why you're not hearing the super stereoness of it. Sounded pretty stereophonic to me. There you go. Oh yeah. So I can just kind of control the level. Dream tone, yeah. And then like then I have another preset that's got like tremolo. And on that one, I can control the speed and the depth of the tremolo. I love how you have it all memorized. You don't, you know, it's all just. I mean, I'm sitting here all day long, so the, I have no life. You don't have to look at the screen or anything. That's fun to do, like at the end of a song, you know, like. Yeah, like a B3 or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, honestly, that's mostly what I'm doing is just quickly, you know, the different delay levels. Um, in terms of the, the kind of slidery stuff. Like here's a ping pong thing. Red. There's a person I work for that loves to use this one particular effect. And I'm sure it's like a plug-in that they put on their guitar sample that says tremolo, but it's really pan. Uh, and it's always tempo mapped. So I have it, I, like, oh, here's that sound. I just go to that preset and it's... It's like a really fast left and right. Yeah, left and right kind of pan yeah. thing. I love that stuff too. It adds so much of a vibe. Yeah. It's funny because sometimes people like see all this stuff and I think they're like, oh man, what are you using? It's like, gosh, that must take you forever to get a sound. But it's like, well, no, it's the opposite. The whole point is like, I can go really fast, you know. Yeah. You're blazing with that stuff. <laughs> so, what do you sh show us like one of those, maybe if you want, the. Yeah. Um, like that big, rich delay sound or something. Like, what kind of parts would you use for that? Or, I mean, oh, anything um, you've done recently? Or, I mean, I tend to have like, I would do like swelly stuff with that sound. Um, oh, that sounds so beautiful. What is the? Can we just hear one little pick to see what the delays doing? Is that the one you showed us before? Da, 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 da. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I always that yeah. pattern is like a quarter note with a dotted That's, eighth. Man, when I was doing my first sessions in Miami, yeah. that producer would always put a quarter note on one side and a dotted eighth on the yeah. other, and I just you know how like certain oh, moments yeah. in your life are, are just like indelibly like ingrained in yeah. your psyche. For me, man, like that's what delay sounds like now. Yeah, so you came out, you grew up in Annapolis? Yeah, Annapolis, Maryland. And then you went to to the university, was it? Yeah, so I was, Florida. you know, like every other kid probably like, just I just should just go to New York and like study with the guys, study with the cats, man. But, you know, my parents were normal people. And for them, like out here, everybody works in the entertainment industry. So it's not a weird thing to be a musician and own a house and like yeah. be somewhat normal. But where I grew up, it was like, just you just didn't know anyone that worked in the entertainment business or did anything other than kind of desk yeah. jobs. So it was more like, no, you have to, this is the plan. So um, 
at that time in my life, I was still am a huge Steve Morse head. Love Steve Morse. And he had gone to the University of Miami. And I was also kind of getting into jazz. So like Pat Metheny and uh, Jaco Pastorius had gone there. And being a metal, like 80s metal kid, uh, Andy Timmons had gone there from that band yeah. Danger Danger. Yeah. And it just like, again, like sort of those different worlds all kind of colliding at the same place. To me, it seemed like, well, that's a place I should go to because I just didn't want to be put into a box, you know, yeah. musically speaking. Great school, man. Yeah, and it worked out. I mean, it's funny. When I, when I got there, it was kind of maybe like a weird time either musically or just what was going on in Miami at the time. There's like a lot of like dance club kind of stuff and not as much cool live music. Um, but, you know, ultimately they had practice rooms and good teachers and that's that's why you go to those places. Like I hear a lot of stuff like, ah, you don't need school anymore. You don't need college. And that's, a lot of that is true, but you do need to like, get your shit together before you hang out a shingle and, and claim that you can do something, you know? Yeah. And like, that's one thing when I see like Instagram, like people like, look, I'm, here I am, look, I just say that I am something and now I am. I'm like, yeah, back in my day, <laughs> get off my lawn, you know? Like, did you yeah. really put in any hours, you know? Exactly, and um, you know, you build up, you start off with a network of people exactly. too that, that probably people that are just like you that are exactly. really want to do it. And they're not yeah. just hobbyists. Like they're going to find some place in the music industry and you'll probably a lot of people, you know, from the school are still working. You a surprising um, amount. Yeah. Yeah. You got to meet a network or, you know, some yeah. wolf pack. Of, yeah. Of friends and yeah. friends for life, maybe some of them. And totally. And so that's a, another cool aspect. I was, I think my family was more like they, they never even told me about school really. Right. I was like, I remember like my senior year of high school, people were like, what colleges do you apply? I was like, what do you mean? That's not till the fall. You got to apply at early. What <laughs> oh, are you geez. talking about? Yeah. They're like you didn't apply for college yet. Yeah. So I kind of took a year off and then eventually I did go to get a music degree. Right. But I was like, I was the opposite. I was like, I want to get some normal, something right. normal. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> my, I don't think my parents were just like, hey, just do whatever you want. Really. Right. Are you, mom, her, where are you in the, do you have like siblings? Are you? Me and my brother. Uh -huh. yeah. And are you the younger? I'm the older. Oh, Two interesting. and a half years. Usually it's like the other way around. The younger one goes into entertainment. Well, he is, he's a film editor. Okay. He's Emmy award nominated document. He's a, yeah, he does documentaries, HBO and Netflix, a lot of stuff. Cool. Ben Gold. Nice. Yeah, man. But um, yeah, we didn't choose sensible careers, either one right. of us. But I mean, anymore, like, what is a sensible career? Oh, yeah. Every every day that goes by lately, I'm just like, all bets are off. Yeah. The world's just getting crazier yeah. and crazier. All right. So, yeah, dial up a sound again. I got to hear some more fingers real quick. All right. I'm trying I'm to putting, think of what else would be cool to, like. What's that funk jam on there that you got on your new record? Mississippi Leghound. Well, first oh, of yeah. all, what, where did that name come from, dare I ask? <laughs> that came from um, <laughs> growing up. Uh, I always loved the. Uh, Chevy Chase movies like Fletch and um, National Lampoon's yeah. Christmas Vacation. So that's his cousin Eddie. They bring uh, like that Rottweiler over to the house, and he's <laughs> like, would... "Watch out there, Fletch! He's got a little bit of Mississippi Leghound in him." Oh, there you go. That's <laughs> great. Little... I just I always thought that was hilarious. And then this tune is like, kind of like, I don't know, a little snarly, 
southerny sounding. Definitely. So I still got it in the out of phase thing. Oh yeah, so they, I had a slap back, I think, on that. So um, this delay, you guys know the Chandler. I'm giving away all my. Oh yeah. The Chandler Stereo Digital Echo S. I think that's what it is. SDE. I mean, I haven't really cranked for. Yeah, I mean that sounds great. But what, why Chandler per se? It seems to me like any number of great delays can do that. Because I'm a nerd, and I, you know, again, it's like this great like '90s box, and I heard that like Satriani used them and Eric Johnson. And ah. I just, yeah. I think I saw one cheap on Craigslist or something, and it really yeah. does sound good. Especially for that thing. It's so cool that you have live speaker happening right now. You're not just using like a simulator. This is actually a real speaker going, sending yeah. stuff through a real delay box. You know, most so many people are just 100% into plugs lately. Yeah. <clears throat> well, it's funny. I think I'm like, I've always felt like I've been like kind of in between two worlds, you know? Yeah. Like my age or something. I don't know. to a B section, which I don't remember. Yeah, well, <laughs> we'll fly that in. Yeah. You, you can learn it before your next there we baked go. potato gig. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the Soldano there? Uh, that's the Aiken, actually. Oh, that's the Aiken. Yeah. lot of great moments on this record now the session half of your life yeah. is crazy you're you do that like I, this studio is amazing but i know that you're also a lot of times working in other studios or out yes i still go out in the in the yeah. world with other human beings i know it's crazy yeah. nobody's doing that anymore <laughs> what um what do you usually bring to something like that uh, it depends like tomorrow i have something and usually like the way those things work is you get an email and it'll tell you way ahead of time where to be and when but it might not tell you what to play until the night before in this case they told me way ahead of time acoustic guitar and mandolin so in that case i just bring it myself yeah. but then today they sent here's a link to some parts and you know just keep checking because we'll keep uploading stuff during the day and I see like, oh, there's also like ukulele and nylon string and all this other stuff. So, yeah. surprise. So I get to bring that stuff. But a lot of times, um, and again, it's like, it's crazy that this still happens, but 
you know, this music is like in service of a bigger project, which has a deadline and it has to come out in a certain amount of time. So there's kind of a budget involved. So they'll allow for cartage actually. And so that means like I have kind of a whole other set of gear that stays in a warehouse and I would just call the guys there and say, hey, be it. Back up the truck, get my ukulele. Yeah, kind of, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. It's like, what year is this that that still goes on? So it's pretty amazing. And yeah, you'd have a lot of cool uh, acoustic instruments in here. Is that a straight sitar? It is, it's a sitar. And then you got, tell me something like, is that a bazooki or what am I looking Um, That's a baritone acoustic. Oh, very cool. Yeah, um, and then that's a bazooki there. And a Chirango. And then actually in what should be an ISO room is kind of like spillover for all the weird stuff. Nice. So I have so behind you is all the really weird stuff. Scared to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I could bring out you don't have to okay. I mean I don't know. If you want to bring out one thing or something. Yeah, let's let's look and find something fun. Yeah, yeah. This is like So let's see, I got this nashville tuning guitar which everybody kind of knows about i guess it's where you take a 12 string set and you only put on the high strings i think it's probably out of tune but it sounds oh it's not bad sounds great and it's on um i never really realized that's totally what that sound is yeah i thought it was like a 12 string but it's nashville i'm yeah i think so um and i have it on this baby taylor so it's like a really small guitar yeah, kind of adds to the did you change the nut weirdness. or anything to make it work or is it just yeah you know? i took it to actually friend askin and yeah there's that name again and i had him um, work on it and then i have some um instruments made by this company called gold tone and uh they make a lot of really cool stuff this is a mandola um so it's But if you, that's kind of like, you know, it's all doubled strings, but if you make yeah. it a little out of tune. Yeah. You know, it can really sound weirder. And like, yeah. I use this on so much stuff, because sometimes people, a lot of times they, they go, well, it's it's not like a exactly this. We want something we haven't really heard before that's just kind of different. And so, I always pull this out and yeah. tends to work. Yeah, it looks kind of a little gu- bit guitar-y. Is it um, yeah. fourths or how do you uh, yeah. do that for Yeah, that, that, that's easy. You can kind of yeah. get away. Somebody wants a mandolin, you can cheat sometimes, maybe use that. Totally. It's like yep. in the ballpark. <laughs> Tommy Tedesco life-saving device, he exactly. calls it. Yeah. So I have one tuned in fifths and one that's tuned uh, in fourths. Yeah, I got to grab one of those for sure, man. So what was the craziest or hardest or most um, wonkiest session that you, you can remember? Oh, or man. That comes to mind. <laughs> this one is still a little bit painful, but, like, there's this uh, pretty notorious composer, and it was a full orchestra. But we had worked on one movie together, more than one, and then this was a sequel for that for one of the other ones. So I felt like pretty comfortable and the first day was great. And then- So you're in there with a full orchestra? Yeah, it was at Warner Brothers. So there's like 80 other, like the best musicians in the world that all like have been doing this longer than I've been alive, you know? And then here comes me and here, 
And uh, there was actually a banjo thing. So, you know, like kind of a weird, I mean, on purpose because it fit what was happening in the scene, like kind of a juxtaposition, like, oh, we have this like beautiful character that the orchestra represents, but then halfway through, kind of clunky banjo character comes in and he's loud and brash and that's the kind of thing I was playing. So so we do the whole, we do a run through, and I mean, they're recording everything. We do a run through. So this is also pretty common in that kind of studio work is like, you get this chart and it'll, yeah. it'll be like, you open it up and you're like, what, I don't even, it's like all rests. Like, so there's a whole page, there's like a hundred bars of rests, but then you turn the page and it's like, oh, now I have to like really play. <laughs> so that's, it was one of those cues. So I'm sitting there for like two minutes not playing. And then we, and then here comes my part and like, it was great. It was like this great like comic relief thing during the run through, like cool. And it, and it went well and I think everybody was happy. And, but then they decide, and this is also very common out, let's do it in sections. So we'll get, we'll get from bar one all the way up through bar 46, then we'll stop. And then we'll do bar 46 till the end of the thing. And I was thinking, man, that's weird. It seems like a really natural break to like not, to like stop right before I come in because the whole cue is different there. But I guess, I mean, that's definitely what they said. I'm sure that's what they said. So like, we're going to, I'm gonna like rest while they do that first part, and then I'm gonna rest a little more, and then in that second chunk, I'm gonna play. So they do the first part, they do a few takes, they're happy, okay, let's move on. We'll Cause do you from, come in at like after 46? Yeah, yeah I come in at like bar 101 or whatever, yeah. let's say. So then, so okay, let's now let's get this from 46 till the end. And again, I'm still thinking like, man, it's so odd. It seems like they should, stop before I come in because it's so different then. And like, I don't want to like totally just blow the whole vibe, but I'm sure that's what they said. So so the conductor who's also the composer, he's on the stand in front of 80 people. And I'm, it's weird. They had me set up behind him actually, but I'm still in the same room. So everything's bleeding into everything. I'm so scared, we, man. yeah, I'm so scared. we go to do the first take and I'm like, okay, 46, two, three, four, 47, two. And I'm, you know, like counting and double checking and there's a, beat counter so you can kind of make sure and I'm like sweating I'm like okay I have to, I, I gotta make sure I play this really loud uh, annoying obnoxious banjo chord oh, no. you know at the right spot so we get to the end of, of that thing where I'm about to play and I see he, he's kind of bringing his hands down to, to give a nice retard and then he puts his hands down I'm gesturing to, to yeah. show what he's actually doing. he puts his hands down like okay play go on so I play with full confidence, you know, wrong and strong, like Miles Davis, like total conviction. I play, and he turns around, he's like, what are you doing? What, man, you really know how to ruin a vibe, and you're like, what the hell is wrong? Oh, like, yeah. reads me the riot act, you know, in front of everybody. And, uh, man, I I have not seen that movie yet. I still, when I see, because it's like a... Uh, a series or whatever I, i'm like i still get chills when i think about well, so but what happened you did i your, mean we did it again and it was fine but, but you know it sucks to get chewed out so like we, that but yeah, i thought you were of gonna everybody. say that you it made it sound like you weren't supposed to play there but you but came. that's the thing and one of my friends pulled me aside i was like man i'm so sorry you had to go through that he definitely said like we're gonna go on yeah so so conductor's <laughs> always right i guess yeah I mean, you've exactly touched on <laughs> what I think all of us who've done any kind of studio work 
think would be just so terrifying about playing in that situation. I mean, you got a whole room full of yeah. people, and you're recording, and it's live, and you're supposed to nail it in the first take, basically. Yeah. It's crazy, man, but it's great. It's really exhilarating. And I'm not really a, like a thrill seeker in my daily life outside of that, but it's definitely almost like being the kicker on a football team, you know? I'd rather, like, climb a sheer rock face than do what you just did there. <laughs> <laughs> so wait a second. What are you – are you uh, – reading a notation for that oh yeah yeah so it's that's... written out and mo you know it's always like unplayable because nobody writes for guitar and they don't understand that you can't play like this yeah. really low note with these three really high notes all at the same time so you have to sort of make your best guess as to what would sound the best right and kind of like immediately so that the sight reading thing becomes almost it's not even about like oh where's this note on the guitar it's like these notes aren't on the guitar, so how do I make it sound like what they intended oh, yeah. right it, now? Like, it was a Carl Verheyen or somebody was telling me they got to, they were with, the, there's two guitar players on the gig. One was much more experienced, and they got to, like, he's like, looking at the music stand, looking ahead, see what's coming. It's like, holy shit, there's like a billion notes going down the staff. Yeah. It's like, what do we do? And the other guy's like, oh, no, that's just... <laughs> Right. It was just like one of those where like the composer wrote it out in such a way. Like these are those experienced things that you get, I yeah. imagine, from doing. Like you get to convert the parts into something that makes sense. Yeah. And it's funny because when I first started working, I didn't have that like muscle, I guess you would say. Like I would look at like, oh, this should be this thing verbatim. And I would try and do it and it would sound terrible versus like, that's supposed yeah. to be your version of that, you know. But it takes a while to figure out what that really means and how to do it like gracefully in a way that like almost doesn't draw too much attention to the fact that you're not actually playing exactly what's on the page because again like most of the time it's because your instrument doesn't do that and they wouldn't write notes that a trumpet can't play oh. ever and and then like yell at them for not being able to do that and yet that happens all the time for guitar and it's just like ah typical guitar player can't read you know yeah, we just yeah we're already handicapped going in, and then, yeah. then you add the lack of, you know, notational respect, right? But uh, that's the fun part, man. You know, that is, it's yeah, only you music. Are a thrill seeker, man. It's that's where only you get music. Your thrills. Yeah, <laughs> that's your danger. Your uh, yeah, adrenaline junkie. That's must right. Come out of there. Exactly. Um, and if you're playing electric, you know, you're playing pretty quietly, right? If you're playing with yeah, class, I've played with orchestras a couple many times actually, but. Yeah. One time I was actually in the orchestra, like I was between the cellos and the violas. They love that when you show up with your they guitar. They were really and... respectful, man. I had a little 1 by 12 amp, and yeah. and I was so lucky. that. But that's hard to do. How do you fit in sonically with uh, these all these acoustic instruments, and some of them who might be yeah. not really wanting it? Well, you know what's funny? And this is good. I can tell you this story, and I can drop a name. So on this Elton John thing, we were doing... Um, Rocket Man, that movie, live to picture, and then he came out and sang some of the stuff with us. And it was, you know, it's the score, so it's like, again, huge orchestra at the Hollywood Bowl, but plus rhythm section, because we're playing all those songs, yeah, too. Yeah, you're recording in Capitol or something? Or, uh... Well, this is live. Do, we did it, one of those, like, where they show it on the wow. screen, but then there's a live orchestra doing the score. So you actually were performing and recording live at the Hollywood Bowl? Not recording, just doing oh, the performance. Gotcha. And they sold tickets, and Elton John came out and sang. And I think it was, you know, like... 
to maybe promote the movie or something. Oh. Um, it's kind of like they, a trend that they do a lot of these things now. It's it's really fun and it's cool because it draws attention to the music too. But um, we rehearsed and like Giles Martin is there, kind of producing the whole thing. And like you said, like you're in front of you're in between sandwich in between like all these string players. And I mean, these are the people I see day in and day out. So they're the ones I kind of want to make happy. So like whenever I'm in that situation, I play really quietly. And we did the first rehearsal and you know, when we're playing like whatever, like Rocket Man and all the songs with electric guitar and stuff, but I'm playing really quietly. And we took a lunch break and then Giles came over to say, hey, uh, what, what are you playing on, you know, the chorus of whatever? I'm like, oh, I'm playing this. He's like, oh. Okay. Well, what are you playing on? He's like, kind of like quizzing me almost. And the thing is, I was playing so quietly for that first part of the rehearsal that I think he thought like I couldn't read or You're couldn't play. It in. Yeah, or like didn't know what to do. He was just so used to guitar players. I think he just it like was just like yeah. yeah, you put sheet music in front of a guitar player and he turns down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like the old joke, you know. So he was like, no, no, no. We need to hear that. Like, crank it up. You know, like. And so at that point, I'm like, well, he's the boss, man. Great. So, and then I, I did, you know, I sort of like, almost like, great. You want me yeah. to play loud? I totally, I did. And uh, he dug it from there on out. It was really fun. And everyone in the orchestra hated you on yeah, Monday morning exactly. back at the other session. Yeah. There's, the, <laughs> there's Andrew yeah. from the, the Friday night at the Bull. Don't you have like a Grammy for playing with... Gordon Goodwin's Big Fat Band. I do, in fact. And that, yeah. And that album is called Life in the Bubble. Yes. And I was checking that out. That's It's like a big band, a little funky edge. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And that record is really cool. He wrote me um, like a guitar feature. So it's like big band plus like loud electric guitar. All right. So is that one song you have the feature on or... Um, I mean, I play on the whole record, but yeah, that, that song is like, you know, the guitar plays the melody and there's a big long solo and a cadenza yeah. and all this stuff. What's yeah. the name of that song? It's called, so my last name is Cinewick. The yeah. song is called Cinolix. Oh, wow. You really did write that one. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's a token of a musical affection right yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. It was really rad. some other session stories uh, sure. or live stories I'm just going to read some of these names of people you play with and stop on one of them that maybe okay has a, some some cool memory or something Seal Josh Groban Michael Buble Bette, Mil Bette Midler 
Oh, that was cool because I got to play with Dean Parks and then Dean Parks on acoustic and I was on acoustic. Crazy. Were any like lessons that you've learned from other veteran players? You talk about George Deering a lot. Yeah. Just kind of the way they handle themselves and like like all of these situations we've been talking about where like could go like in a really bad direction and he just manages to like steer it all steer the ship this way without like kind of making a big deal out of it and he's example or a theoretical example just like i just see him doing it all the time like with the part like i'm picturing like a part that just doesn't quite yeah or like um, he'll kind of ask like hey are we supposed to be in italy right now because shouldn't it really be like you know like and he'll just Oh, that's great, George. Add the vibe to yeah. it. Or thinking like... Yeah, thinking he, I mean, he movie. thinks like a producer or a, or a composer. Yeah. You know, he's always just... I mean, I've seen all the time, they'll be like, uh, George, just watch and play. You know, and he's just like watching the scene and like adding oh, yeah. stuff. It's, it's I did great. one of those once. I've never done anything on the level of what you do with film, but I randomly, on a very small project, it became Academy Award-nominated documentary. Oh, wow, oh, great. It was called Daughter from Da Nang, and I was very impressed with what this director did. And she was right up there with, like, you know, uh, who's the Bowling for Columbine won that year. Okay. I think some, what's his name? You know, Mike. Oh, uh, uh, Michael Moore? Michael Moore. There you go. Yeah, he stole our trophy. Right. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, it was like, she was like, it was a really tough session, man. It was just mm-hmm. like a low budget. It was at my friend's house. He was a great engineer, Hector Perez. He's Grammy-nominated himself, man. But um, she was just like, I can't remember if I ever told the story before on the podcast or not, but she's like, just just play, just watch the movie. And it was just yeah. a solo acoustic guitar for this one scene. And, and then you're following the camera moves and everything. And then she's like, you're playing kind of green. Could you play more oh, purple? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? And I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> and I mean, it's hard when someone's yeah. not a musician. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure like George Deering would have crush that but i was starting to get like yeah it's it's hard yeah uh but it came out great she good she wanted and you know yeah people doubted george lucas when he was making star Wars. right so you yeah. never know you never know cool yeah. maybe you could show us the intro to salvation mountain because like that's oh, a sure. true where's one kind of <laughs> good yeah mission accomplished kind of uh yeah where's that what, what, what's the time signature where's p1 <laughs> that sounds so good okay what sing me the beat so i, I so i could fake it on guitar one two three four All right, Donna Summer. What was she like? Do you work with her, or you play uh, on a posthumously? Track? Yeah, posthumously. So, I was wondering if that was like. Yeah, so they they hired uh, Giorgio Moroder to go. You know, great producer that did all of her hits. Um, I think that it was one of those things. Like, wait, we found there's a recording. Like, we could make yeah. something out of this kind of thing. So they had the vocal, uh, obviously, and then he built a track around it. 
and he had us come in and do this live kind of i guess just like he used to do and that was again it's like the funniest thing man because i'm sure we've all done these sessions where it's like hey can you do me a favor uh, sorry there's you know like and it turns out to and it's like a headache and you know it's like yeah uh it's one of these things where it's like well i'm not sure if that's the right guitar well i don't well, that was good, but maybe we should do it again. Well, I don't know, actually, is that the right part? Well, uh, and you know, they're never sure, and yeah. it takes all day, and nothing you do is right. And like, does anyone ever hear it ultimately? But then here comes like Giorgio Moroder, like top of the top of the top. And he's like, oh, hey, yeah, cool. Yeah, that sounds good. Cool, I think we got it. You know, it's just like we did a few takes, and it was. Uh, so like not nitpicking not just you know it's just like yeah that was good maybe don't play in that section maybe do play in that section cool you know like that that kind of just like yeah great i mean that's the way i feel like it should be like if you're gonna get the best out of musicians torture people you get the best out of them and then yeah but that was pretty eye-opening like because you hear these stories you think Oh, this guy must have some crazy process I've never heard of before. He must he must know how it's really done. And it was literally like, no, oh, you get good musicians in a room, let them do their yeah, thing. Don't it. overthink it. Like it's okay. not rocket science, you know. He's like an 80s legend. Yeah. Didn't he did the Scarface soundtrack? I believe so, yeah. And I remember I had that on VHS tape and I rented it, you know. Yeah, of course. I'm like 16 and I loved the chords and I learned them. By oh, cool. Rewinding the tape. It was kind of, you know, it's these are new chords yeah. for me. It's like so like the recurring right probably slower than this wow that's nice something like that I remember yeah and it ends on F I was just like you know I love that dude man yeah and he did all those synth hits with Sorry, I'm blind. No, 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 you're good. Um, one more funny story about him. I did some more work for him after that where I just went over to his place. I'm sure he has like multiple kind of places he lives, but in LA it was just like I think he was just staying at this like kind of, he had this like penthouse of this building over in uh I don't know what you call that like Mid Wilshire area or something. So I go over and and this you know is- dwelling yeah yeah it is and like literally you know i'm like wow where am i going and the the guy's like oh hold on i gotta help you because you need the key to go to like all the way to the top you know so we go in i go in and it's like it's like an acoustic guitar thing and uh just really simple like you know strumming kind of thing (laughs) we do do a take and you could tell he's like "Ah, i don't know i just got this laptop this is like my travel setup i don't i'm you know he's like used to just like to not having to do this part almost so we did a few things, a few takes, and I this is I think for uh, the artist Sia, right? And we do the, we get a part, and you know the kind of stuff he does. It's like we just need like four bars or eight bars, and then he's gonna loop it and fly around where he needs it. So we figure out the pattern, figure out the part, and it, and uh, he's like, great, I think we got it. And kind of like when we were talking about is this recording or not, he goes. Oh no, I had the speakers on the whole time. Oh, so, you know, meaning I, the track is bleeding yeah. into the microphone, which is also recording the acoustic guitar. Yeah, I've done that one before. Right. And he's like, hold on, hold on. So he solos the guitar, he plays it back. And you can kind of hear the track bleeding in, but it's not that bad. He's like, 
Nah, we're fine. That's, you can go. I, that's his new signature <laughs> technique. I saw him talking yeah. about it on tape off. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. But again, it's like, yeah. you know, the thought of like, wow, what must that be like doing a big session in LA for Giorgio Moroder for oh, this yeah. track for Sia? And it's like, yeah, left the speakers on. Oh. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, there's so many different ways to do it. And uh, I kind of have to tell the story. This is, a, I think, a really cool session story where uh, Elliot Ives, who I know through Mike Scott, who's played with Prince and has been on the podcast, and they both play with Justin Timberlake quite a bit, probably still do. And uh, Elliot, I think he knows Justin for a long time, but he, he's in the studio, and these kind of dance records and stuff, like they don't use a whole ton of guitar. Right. And he's just there in the corner, and this is so smart. He's listening to them produce a song all day, maybe Timbaland or somebody... And he's got his own little rig in the corner. And he's got the tempo. Yeah. He's got the tempo going, and then he comes up with a little part. He's got his own headphones. He's got logic, maybe some plugs or whatever. Records a part just on his own in the corner on the couch. And then at the right moment, brings it up to them on a thumb drive and says, hey, check this out. Wasting none of their time. Right. They pop it in, audition it, and they're like, ah, cool. And it's on the track. Like Genius. To me, that is like a level of understanding of how things are going yeah. certain ways today. Very that cool. so different than, <laughs> that's so new school. Yeah. I was very wow. impressed by that story, and I think he did a few parts that way. Love it. Yeah, those records are really cool. Oh, I love great pop. I mean, the songs are really yeah. good. The songs are cool, the production yeah. is cool. Grooves. Yeah. Make, they stick in your head. And make your stereo sound good. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you instantly improve your speakers. Oh. Mm -hmm. And well, your social life. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> if you play that kind of music and not guitar music. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's playing at the forum and, you know, a little different than the baked potato, but yeah. it's not all right. quite as cool. Yeah, <laughs> I got the street cred, man. Hey, you do all this stuff. I know you got a great part on that Who song. Yeah. Is, I, I listened to it. What's it called? Breakaway or something? Break the News. Break yeah. the News. Mm-hmm. You got like the main acoustic guitar part on there. Yeah. And uh, and they, they probably weren't in the room with you, but you. They were not, but the producer was. Um, that was a, also kind of a crazy story. And I've told it before, but like I was literally driving on the freeway and I got a call from this contracting office. Like, and they, sometimes they do this. Hey, do you, can you actually, we know you're a guitar player, but can you recommend a guitar player who specializes in like this other thing? And they asked me to do claw hammer nylon. You're, you need to have a burner phone. Yeah, yeah. call up yeah. Joe Schmo. But Jude, do you know what <laughs> claw hammer nylon is? Well, I've heard. I've. I mean, I don't really even know what claw hammer banjo is, but I kind of have an idea. But I would, definitely couldn't do it for you this second. But you your know. thought process is kind of what mine was, which is like, well, I know what claw hammer banjo is, and I can play nylon okay and yeah. finger picking. So, so I said like, well, actually, I yeah, I, I think I could do that. You know, <laughs> and they're like, great. Um, we're gonna put you in touch with somebody for the who, and I was like, "Huh?" You know. Meanwhile, like, <laughs> like drive off the road practically. Like, yeah, I guess they're they're doing this. You know, somebody needs a guitar part, and so it turned out um, Pete's brother Simon had written this track. I think Pete was like, "Yeah, let's get Simon a, a new song on the record," kind of thing. And they were doing orchestra here in town, and. They, this song had been sitting there like forever and with a scratch guitar part that was kind of cobbled together. And then um, they 
the producer was like, man, this record has to come out. Like we're on, we're on the deadline here. And like, I don't know, I'm not privy to what was happening on yeah. the other side of the pond, but I, it seemed like it wasn't, ha that guitar part was not getting done. So he asked the orchestra contractor, like, you know, do you know anybody who could just do this part for us? So that's, so my name came up and they sent me the track only, they only sent me the temp guitar part, nothing else. And so I made like a little chart, I made a cheat sheet and it was like, okay, this cycle of chords happens like four times and then a new cycle happens. So I bet that was an intro and that was a verse, you know? Yeah. And I sort of made a roadmap with what I thought was verse, pre-chorus, chorus, bridge, that kind of stuff. And showed up at the producer's house. You know, again, it's one of these like crazy houses where it's pretty much a full-time recording studio, part-time house with a couple of guitars. And they're like, hey, let's just get you a headphone level. So I'm, you'll hear like, I think it's eight clicks or whatever. So I start playing along and like, now I realize, oh, cool, it's the whole track now. And so I'm like watching my little cheat sheet and I'm playing, playing along and I, you know, one cycle goes through and then here comes the part where I think, I think this is the verse. And then, but now I'm hearing the whole track and sure enough, I get to that part and Roger's voice comes on my headphones and it was like the coolest, yeah. most like surreal experience. Talking to a huge Who fan. Yeah. Likewise. Like uh, my third concert was the Who's farewell tour, the final tour wow. they ever did until they started doing many, many other right. tours. Was who was <laughs> playing drums? Simon Phillips? Um, Kenny Jones. Okay. This is a yeah. I'm older than you. No, this was at '83. Wow. It was their first farewell tour. Wow. The Clash opened. Stadium oh, man. show. Oakland Stadium. Incredible. You know, general admission, just, you know, people getting crushed. No one got hurt, thankfully, but that I'm aware of. But, you know, it was just an amazing show. Big lights. No no jumbotrons back then. Right. If you wanted to see the band, you had to get close. Otherwise, you know. I Bring binoculars. For right? half the concert, we're in the back on, like, the second deck of the Spaceball Stadium. And, you know, Pete did some of his jumps. Like, he could fill the stadium with those jumps. Incredible. Like connect with the whole 70,000 people without a big screen. Yeah. But, yeah, just the triumphant feeling of some of their stuff and yeah. the rebellion. So, yeah, that, I would have had the same rush when I heard Roger's voice come in. So that's really what a feather in your cap. It was pretty amazing. Um, and my, I'm the youngest of three boys so like my two older brothers were disowned huge. you no. yeah yeah exactly they're a huge really? like musical influence and my middle brother plays guitar so when i when i you know did the session i left i called him i was like uh i think i just played on a who record i can't believe this you know because we used to just sit in front of the tv and watch the kids are all right that um oh, yeah. that who video all the time so yeah, it's crazy i saw that in the theater you know they show the rerun movies when saw that in the theater it's great. Yeah. I wasn't around when it came out, okay? <laughs> well, uh, cool. You've been very generous with your time. I mean, it's really, uh, honestly, a challenge to convey all of the incredible things that you are doing and have done and all these. I mean, everything from The Who to Giles Martin, obviously George Martin royalty right there, Yeah. to all these big movies and 
like I didn't even talk about like Coco, which I love that movie, Disney, right? Yeah, Pixar. yeah, me too. Yeah, and that's. I feel like that movie is like a little bit my story. So yeah. when I finally saw it, it was it was pretty great. Batman, Spider Man, some of the Mission Impossible stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. we you're really in it, you're really doing it, and it's super inspiring. And you got a lot of cool guitars and uh, a lot of great tones. So, and I can't say enough about how much you're just kicking ass and hope people recognize. <laughs> Thanks, Jude. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I know you play around too. And you're only, yeah. you might be doing a tour for your new I album. I am, yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. I'm really bad at the self-promotion thing. So I have this new record. comes out September 8th. And um, the band is crazy. We did it again at Jim Scott's place with Gary Novak, uh, Jorgen Carlson on bass from Government Mule, Carrie Frank on Hammond Organ, Pete Corpola on percussion, totally live in two days um and yeah it's a cool like instrumental jeff beck meets larry carlton meets allman brothers kind of record and th that same band is going to do a little tour in november it's five dates mostly like southern to mid california west coast stuff yeah west coast stuff rad well. yeah so be on the lookout for that so november 1st through the 5th is our tour oh back to back to back yeah yep very nice all right well let's play something out all right. And uh, thanks again. Thanks to Guitar Player Magazine and guitarplayer.com for making this happen today. Thanks for being on the show, Andrew. Yeah. For being for on the show, you get a capo. <laughs> this is true. You actually get a capo. Oh, nice. Friends at G7th. It's laser engraved. No guitar is safe. Badass capo. Supposedly fits many different radii. It's awesome. It's got a great mechanism on it. Thank you. You just squeeze it, and it goes as tight as, you know, really cool thing from England. Love it. Great company. Keep it alive till you're 95. All right. Solo your ass off. Stevie Wonder or something. This is that tune, Late to the Party. Oh, cool. Yeah, you've got, um, yeah, it's a lot of cool shuffles on your record, or at least two or three.